Uh, he said, flying, flying. I don't want to see him fly. I said, well, that's, I mean, that's kind of the suit and flying defines Superman. So don't want to see it. Don't want to see him fly. No scenes where he's flying around carrying people. Horseshit. <laughs> said, all right, all right, no flying. I said, but the giant spider intrigues me. <laughs> why, uh, why that? And he's like, do you know anything about spiders? And I said, I mean, no. And he said, well, they're the fiercest killers in the insect kingdom. <laughs> and I was like, What's, what does that have to do with our non-flying Superman? <laughs> Welcome to Storybrooke. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this is the show that will not end. It just goes on and on, my friends. Yeah, it's really bad. Some people started watching it not knowing what it was. Yeah, it's bad. You made that joke last week. And I think the week before. I made similar jokes. I think we're trapped in like a Groundhog Day slash Dark Curse situation where we have to keep watching terrible episodes of this show? Yeah, I... Okay, so... I hear the reboot season gets better a little later in, but... I I just... We, we started re-watching the show. We, we are, were already doing the podcast at this point when the show was airing. That's correct. So... I feel like I sort of forgot how bad the last season is. Just because we were also watching the early good episodes. No, that's not true. I See, I think you're forgetting what it was like when we were watching the last season. Because I feel like you and I were saying constantly how bad the last season was in contrast to the first season that we were currently watching. Hmm, point. This is the episode that made you give up on the show, though. It is. After this episode, I was done. I didn't watch again until there was a musical episode. And then I was like, oh, I gotta watch that. So then I watched to catch up so that I could watch the musical episode. So worth it. Can't wait to get to the musical episode. Honest to God, you could probably just go from this episode to the musical episode. You really could. Because I remember when I was getting ready to watch the musical episode, I was like, well, I better see how they dealt with everything that happens in between now and then and i really don't remember a single thing that happens between now and the musical episode seriously i have no memories of any plot that happens between this one and the musical episode and the musical episode's like what three four episodes off um yeah because we're on episode 16 now yeah uh, well so like four episodes away i also remembered this episode being not terrible, except for the bits with the giant CGI spider. Heads up, there is a giant CGI spider in this episode. But nope. Turns out all the, like, cool stuff going into, you know, Gideon's abusive childhood. Turns out that's all real bad. Yep. Uh, by the way, this is episode 16 of season 6, Mother's Little Helper. So even the title makes me mad. I'd like the title if this wasn't the direction they went with it. Well, I mean, the title is referencing a song that is disparaging seeking medical help for depression. So, you know. 
I'm not a big fan of that. Mm. Uh, Mother's I, Little Helper is lithium. I thought it was talking about just how they used to refer to lithium as Mother's Little Helper, not specifically a song about them referring to lithium as Mother's Little Helper. What? What, what are you confused by? Who, who is they in that sentence? People used to call lithium Mother's Little Helper. That was what the pills were called. Yeah, but that's mocking women for needing treatment for depression. Doesn't that phrase seem mocking to you? That was just a thing. They're like, women get sad sometimes, so we give... I don't think it was mocking them. I think it was just saying, like, oh, this is a thing your mother needs. Um, no, it's it's mocking. It's it's disparaging. It's disparaging to women. I don't Who think... get depression. I don't think it's great, but I don't think it's any more condescending than anything else from that time period talking about women. Yes, exactly! <laughs> 100 percent but you were saying it's like a song but no it was just like oh okay yes mother's little helper was a phrase not necessarily the song by the rolling stones but i don't think they'd have made it into a title of the episode if it wasn't also a popular song by the rolling stones ah okay yeah i was just thinking it was directly a reference to how they referred to the drug i don't think the phrase would have stuck around in the public consciousness if it wasn't for the song Mm -hmm. which has that catchy beat I honest to God don't know that song. Are you kidding me right now? I only know Mother's Little Helper through people referencing the drug. All right, let's talk about this episode. Previously on Once Upon a Time, Gideon Banff took away from Storybrooke. Gideon sent Hook to a land far, far away and then used Emma's tears to seal all portals against him returning. Yes, that is correct. Well, as you know, bodily fluids of the Savior are magic. Right. So he did this in order to blackmail Emma into helping him stop the Black Fairy because, as you remember, he started this season trying to kill her so he could get her powers to stop the Black Fairy, but then he realized that she was too hard to kill, so he just was going to have her use her powers to stop the Black Fairy, and my god, dude... Okay, spoilers for the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. At the end of this episode, we find out that the Black Fairy has Gideon's heart. All right. So presumably all of the nonsensical things he has done, the things that make no sense, are because he is being controlled by the Black Fairy. Guess what, writers of Once Upon a Time? That doesn't make having to watch his bullshit behavior any less annoying for you to be like, oh, it's okay because it was supposed to not make sense. No, shut the fuck up. I'm so annoyed with you right now. Yeah, yeah. You can't just slap a, oh, it was mind control sticker over it and make it better. Literally, a wizard did it. I mean, because a fairy. So not literally. A fairy did it. Oh, a fairy did it. And you know that fairies don't work by mortal logic, so it's fine that nothing made sense. And you know what? No, now I'm twice as mad as you. Because it's cool to introduce a fairy who is actually more in line with old school fairy tales, who doesn't follow human logic and is scary and kidnaps children. But you made it uncool! Speaking of the Black Fairy, the episode proper opens with her carrying baby Gideon to her slave pits. Her minds. Her minds. All right, so uh, 
as we've seen with the blue fairy, fairies get their power from fairy dust, and fairy dust needs to be mined from the earth, except sometimes when it comes from flowers, but... Eh. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Don't! Why would you get me started like that? Sorry. But while the blue fairy does the good thing and uses a specifically engineered slave race to get her dust for her, the black fairy is evil and therefore uses children she kidnaps. Yep. All right. The dwarves are also children, though, right? Like, they're born, they work in the mines immediately after they're born, like... Well, they're born fully grown, so either they're children or they have no childhood, their childhood was stolen from them. I mean, they're... I guess they are in just an artificially created slave race. Yes. Yes. So, that's... But it's okay, because the blue fairy's a good guy! Yeah, they really don't talk enough about how fucked up the dwarves' existence are, but that would be acknowledging season one. And as much as the show likes to reference season one, it kind of likes to leave a lot of stuff from it also very much in the past. The show likes to have its continuity and eat it too. Yes. So the Black Fairy gives this new basket to the the head child slave, the, the overseer child slave, mm. who I feel like looks a lot like a teenage version of the wicked stepsister from ever after yes yeah i can see that the black fairy tells her you have to care for this one he's not a slave like the others he's precious and the girl's like i'll care for him like he was my own and she's like uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. you're going to care for him as though he were my own which okay let's talk about what a problem this is um uh, all right so i have like again i don't really remember a lot of this season I thought the Black Fairy had some specific goal for Gideon, but I guess she doesn't. Well, I thought that she wanted him to be like her evil son, the way that Rumpel never was. She wants him to be like good Rumpel. Alright, and I feel like this could tie in with something which would be an interesting take on the character. That much like Regina, she's a character driven by Id, but unlike Regina, she's unmoored from humanity. So she's a creature of pure id. She wants an heir, but she doesn't want to raise a baby. So she finds a baby and she just drops it off in the baby pit and she's like, treat him special so that someday he'll be my heir. Okay, but if you want him to be treated special and be treated like your son, maybe don't throw him in the baby pit with the other babies. I mean, it's it's so annoying because she's so inefficient with her evil. And if they played with that more, if they had her just be, again, a character that's driven entirely by it and therefore does not make plans. She just wants things and then tries to use her immense power to get them without doing the legwork like Rumpel does. And even Regina did, to a degree, some legwork in setting up the curse. Okay, see, but you're acting like the writers knew what they were doing instead of just not knowing that there are different kinds of abuse and thinking, oh, she's an abusive mother, therefore she locks babies in cages and not like, oh, there are many ways that abuse looks. Yes. Yeah, this is real Saturday morning cartoon Lifetime original movie abuse. I think back to season one. Mm -hmm. Oh, the halcyon days of season one. When fairy tales were more of a metaphor and we saw the way that the lessons from fairy tales or the themes from fairy tales look when presented as real life. 
And now it's like, no, she's a cartoon villain. Again, uh, this is something which I feel like if it was more intentional would have worked because you know what she reminds me of more than really anything else? What's that? A classic Disney villain. She does have a classic Disney villain going on, even with her aesthetic, which, by the way, as much as I hate this character as a character, love the look. I love the look, and honestly, I love the actress. The mannerisms she gives the character, it's... She's actively fighting against a bad script, though. I know, but so is Lana Perea. So is Robert Carlyle. Okay, but they were in the show back when the show was good. Okay, okay, that's fair. Like, what has Regina done recently? She looks great. She also did throw apples at someone during a fight scene. <laughs> apples! <laughs> yes, she did! Oh. <laughs> uh. uh. But yes, the Black Fairy hands off the baby and plucks the book that was placed in the baby's basket by Belle. Yes, her handsome hero. Which, again, back when Gideon told the story about finding her handsome hero under his bed, I made the generous assumption that the Black Fairy had placed it there as part of her psychological manipulation. But no, it turns out she just tossed it away and I guess the overseer picked it back up and stuck it there. Yeah, I do like that she... Kind of just casually throws it on the ground. Like, that doesn't get rid of it. It's still there. It's just on the ground now. Again. She's like, it's off screen, therefore it's gone. And the overseer's like, what screen? <laughs> so, back in the present in Storybrooke, adult Gideon has fixed his hair somewhat, so it's a wee bit less annoying. It's true. Those weird, weird short bangs were not a good look. So now he's got some product in it. He's reminding Emma that he has trapped her boyfriend outside of Storybrooke. Fiance? Fiance. Fiance outside of Storybrooke and sealed all of the portals using her tears. So, sure. Yeah. So Hook can't come back until Emma helps him, you know, stop the Black Fairy. And Emma's like, really? You could have asked. And he's like, I was abused as a child, so literally all of my n- nonsensical actions are totally justified. And Emma's like, oh, God. Yeah, it's real annoying. And it's, oh, I can't. It took us so long to get to the place that we should have started at, which is Gideon asking Emma for help. And also, spoiler, at the end, he's going to double cross her. Instead, oh, God, I'm so annoyed. Well, the Black Fairy has his heart. Oh, so it's okay. So everything's okay. It's okay that we had to watch this, like, torturous scene because the Black Fairy has his heart. It's the same thing with Hook, though. Like... It's okay that Hook tried to send Emma's entire family to hell because, uh, he was possessed by the Dark One. No, no, it's not the same thing as Hook, right? That's a justification for his behavior that characters in the story are using despite the fact that, yes, he should absolutely be punished for what happened because Emma didn't turn evil when she was the Dark One. No, this is the story trying to justify making us watch these stupid episodes. Like... When Hook was leading Emma's family to hell, they were the ones being tortured. We're the ones being tortured now. So Gideon kind of lunges at Emma and Emma uses her magic to knock him aside. And he's like, yeah, I'm used to that. I had an abusive childhood. That's why I need to stop the Black Fairy because of what she did to me and to all those other children. Also, he has blood around his mouth from the light magic blast, which I don't think is something we've actively seen before. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be, like, from the impact, but that's not... It's, it, 
It's TV shorthand. I'm actually okay with that. I'm just saying, Regina got thrown through a building and she was okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, lots of characters in the show have been thrown through buildings and had less damage. I guess Gideon's just a delicate little flower. Like Hook was when he was in hell. I guess that's not really fair. If you're in hell, you're allowed to have strawberry jam smeared over your face. <laughs> yes, that is correct. So back in the flashback, Gideon is no longer a baby, but instead a tween. He's like eight or ten. And he's reading Her Handsome Hero to the boy in the cage next to him. A scene from Her Handsome Hero, which involves a giant spider. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So, honest to God, I really want to like this more than I do. And it should be more of a focal point of the episode than it is. Right. What we're seeing is the reenactment of the story that Gideon told us a few episodes ago. He tells the little boy in the cage next to him that he'll protect him. And then the Black Fairy comes in and gets super mad at Gideon for having the book. And then she decides that the best way to punish him is to show him that he is, in fact, not a hero. So she takes the other little boy, presumably off to be tortured, and leaves Gideon's door unlocked so that he could go out and try to stop her and is forced to live with the knowledge that he doesn't. That is some A-plus psychological torture, but this scene doesn't convey that. It's not built up enough. This is the first time we're meeting this kid he didn't save. They haven't established the relationship enough. This should be built up more. This should have been the climax of the flashback sequence instead of the very second scene of it. Yeah. Maybe that's part of why this episode felt so long. Because it starts with what should be the climax, and then it's all just descending action from there. Yeah, exactly. So, I think the kid acting in this episode is actually pretty solid all around. Well, yeah, because they're not really given a lot to do. Because like you said, they don't really lead up to this scene. Like, I have I have empathy for Kid Gideon that I do not have for adult Gideon. Yeah. Like, Kid Gideon, you understand him. You understand why he's not doing this, and you feel bad for him. You know what would have worked really well in this moment? The thing that we talk about sometimes with the juxtaposition of fantasy violence versus real-world violence. Mm-hmm. This would have been a really great sequence to have this be genuine real world horror but even saying that i know that the show couldn't go there because it's harm against children and i honestly think for a show that's supposed to be a family show which once upon a time is that's too far and too disturbing and fair enough but then don't make that the plot this season i mean that is what would make the black fairy sort of an er villain in this show she is the logical end point uh, she is sort of the teeth that gets taken out of modern fairy tales she is horrible things happening to children right but the show can't really show that horror and that's fine i don't think i really want to watch that horror but don't introduce it as a concept and then do it halfway yeah now i'm just half horrified and half bored that's somehow even worse so i think this might be the first time this has ever been said but i really wish they had just had the kid actor instead of the adult actor 
oh, if they had had Gideon come as a 10-year-old the way Henry was 10 when he came to Emma the first time. Yeah. Okay. I had not thought about that before, but that would have fucking fixed everything. The idea that he thought he had to kill Emma in order to defeat the Black Fairy... Like, all of his stupid plans, his intense anger at Belle for not being able to protect him, that all would have worked better if it was a child using, you know, child logic. You wouldn't have even had to come up with this save at the end where it turns out he's being controlled by the Black Fairy. Yeah, he's just a kid who's way too over his head. Damn it! I hate when we fix this show. Theoretically. And then we have to keep watching the crappy one that they gave us. And it would have been really good to have the last season be an inverse of the first season. You have the small kid coming to town. Yeah. That would have worked so well. Alright, so back in the present, Emma and Snow have gone to the pawn shop to threaten Rumple and Belle because their son is threatening Emma. And... It's just so tone deaf. Their son was kidnapped and tortured into being a villain. And you're like, hey, get your crotch spawn under control, okay? Okay, while that is true, this is sort of building off the last episode where this is the most I think I've liked Mary Margaret in a while. Because she's like, yeah, your kid's threatening my family. And as you can tell from my history, I have no problem murdering other people's children. So if you don't get your kid in line, I will fucking murder Gideon. I'm like, why Why do I really like angry, super violent Snow? Like, this is the most I've liked this character since season one. Yeah, I, I think it's because she's actually doing stuff instead of just standing on the sidelines being contrary and keeping things from being done. Yeah. And Rumpel's like, look, I know our kid's doing all this shitty evil stuff, but I'm not going to let you hurt him, and more importantly... I'm not going to let him hurt other people. Keeping him morally safe is honestly just as important as keeping him physically safe at this point. So I'm going to help you while helping him for his own good. Which is a really weird idea of how darkening your heart works because he wants to kill Emma. That should darken his heart enough as doing the action. Like, the fact that he has the ability to do it. More the fact that he was okay with doing it and attempted to. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant the emotional ability to do it. Hmm. The way that you can shout Avada Kedavra all day, but if you don't have the malice in your heart, you can't actually kill someone with the spell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He doesn't actually have... Yeah. The fact that he has the malice in his heart to be able to kill Emma should have already darkened it, regardless of whether or not he's successful. But... I guess that's in line with the morality of the show, so it's fine. Honestly, do they give an Honestly, do they give a Nobel Prize for attempted chemistry? <laughs> exactly. Rumple does tell them what the Black Fairy's plot is, or rather what her motivation is. I'm still not clear how this is gonna help her with her motivation, but she can only she apparently can only come into her our world for brief spurts to kidnap children. So she's trying to, like, tear open a portal big enough that she can come through permanently. And why? I don't know. But that's what she wants. You got your Hades shitty motivation into my Korra's shitty motivation. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Huh. 
Also, it turns out that he didn't come up with the dark curse himself. He got it from her. Which... Yeah, because that's a thing about this show, right? Now that we're in the last season, it's not enough for things to happen because they happen. Everything has to be a mythology. So it's not just the dark curse. It's the darkest curse ever crafted. Crafted by the darkest villain who ever villained. I'm sorry, but like so many people have cast that curse by now. I mean, guys, Snow cast the curse. Snow. Snow. Also, like... The curse was just, like, a curse. Like, it's something anyone could do if given the right ingredients. And the right darkness of heart. Mm. Well, I don't know. Oh, oh, wait. Is the reason that she kidnapped a son to raise as her dark son so that she would have a thing that she loved so that she'd be able to cast the curse? Ooh, interesting. Maybe. Huh. I wonder if they say that. Because that would be cool. Unlike everything else that happens in this subplot. And that would explain why she just threw him in the baby pit. Yeah, although that's not the way that's not the way to love something. So over in the Regina plot. I love it the way I love my fur coat that I keep in storage and never wear. See, that kind of stuff makes me sad. I don't actually have a fur coat in storage. No, but anything that you have that's too nice to use. Uh, yeah. I don't believe in doing that. Because what's the point in having it at that point? What's the point in having it? Meanwhile, over in Regina's subplot, Regina is trying to figure out a way to break the sleeping curse and being unsuccessful. She's finally met her match. Her. Also, apparently the uh, evil queen was the one who set up the most recent barrier on the town line. Which, was that established? No. It definitely, wait, maybe? Oh, actually, maybe it was. Let's just say yes. Sure. Why not? So, I do kind of like how Henry's there with her. I mean, he's really there with her for no reason other than to set up the plot that he's going to be having in the last part of this show. Uh-huh. Where she's like, okay, I've got a few things that I might need that might help. They're over in Emma's garage. Can you go get them? This is presumably Emma's dead boyfriend slash missing fiance garage yes yes that is correct her shed actually her shed her she shed her shed no no that's a thing the she shed yeah uh, I, I was trying to do a portmanteau i i, I understood but that. it's like a man cave right yeah except it's separated from the house because we have to isolate women well because the entire house is considered the domain of women so that's why you have a man cave in the house. Whereas a shed is generally thought to be the domain of men. So you have a she shed. I knew there was probably some sexism behind why women have to be outside of the house to have their own private... Uh... You just didn't know what it was, but you knew it was there. <laughs> yes. That's a pretty safe bet all the time. But Henry g being given a fetch quest is interrupted by him going full author. Yeah. Yeah, his eyes cloud over and he starts scribbling out of control and the things he's scribbling are are like weird eldritch symbols. Hmm, good for him. You know what, he's just, uh, he's just focused on his career right now. Which, yeah, I mean, college is coming up. Gotta get those extracurriculars in. Full-time author. Imagine what Henry's college admission application looks like. How being the author prepared me for Bryn Mawr. 
Yeah. Or Sarah Lawrence. I'm assuming he'd go to... Uh, One of the seven sisters? Yeah. Oh, absolutely he would. But also don't forget, he's the true believer too. Right. So what, divinity school or... No, I just meant he could write... I just meant he could get some good essays out of that too. Ah, yeah. Or, you know, how he's going to get into whatever college he believes he'll get into. Oh my god. So, back in the flashback, but more recently in the flashback, the Black Fairy has brought Gideon to her magic room to celebrate his 28th birthday, and he's like, what's a birthday? No, see, this is exactly what you're talking about. He's 28 because that's how old Emma was at the start of the series, and the show knows that it would be cool to mirror that, but doesn't understand that the way to mirror that is to have him be 10. He's not alternate universe Dark Emma. We've seen that. We've seen that twice. With both Dark One Emma and Princess Emma. Oh, and Lily. And Lily. Yeah, no, he's not alternate universe Dark Emma. We have three other better versions of that. He's alternate universe Dark Henry. He's the child who was sent away. It's right there. I mean, I know Emma was also the child who was sent away. Stories repeat themselves. I'm s- let's talk about this episode. So the Black Fairy's like, I'm so proud of you. You've been doing so well in your magic lessons that I've been giving you. And... Uh... Yeah, remember the way in season one, Regina was trying to give Henry magic lessons? God damn it. So some adorable Moppets show up with the day's dustings. And she's like, oh, let me get my vault key to put them in my magic vault and she realizes it's missing someone stole the key to her vault and now it's her weird abuse son's job to find out who and punish them with bug dust yeah that's that's the long and the short of it okay remember the bug dust from season one yes of course she even puts it around, she even puts it in a vial around his neck the way that Snow was wearing it when we first saw her use it. So Gideon is sitting in the clock tower and Emma shows up in an awesome coat. It's a great coat. It's red and it's double breasted. We've never seen her wear anything like this. It's got like all these buttons down it. It's sort of it, it reminds me a little bit of that military coat we didn't like on Regina. Well, I was actually going to say, it's much more of a Regina look than an Emma look. And you know, I love it when Regina wears her girlfriend's clothes. Yeah. It also does sort of feel like, I know it's not, but it does sort of feel like a little bit of a reference to the red dress she was wearing back when uh, she went to the Enchanted Forest the first time. When she was Princess Leia. Second time, yeah. When she went back in time. When she went back in time. The first time chronologically, but the second time in the chronology of the show. She traveled back in time. I can't get it out of my head now that this would be so much better with Gideon as a kid because she's talking about how the clock wasn't moving when she first got to town and now it seems like it just won't stop. And she's surprised at how quickly time's going. And he's like, really? Because time seems like it's never moving at all for me. Which, again, would have worked so much better if this had been a Henry-esque character. Yeah. Also because children perceive time as moving slower. Right. Because you have so much less of it behind you. She's like, I'm going to need a show of trust before I help you. I need you to bring Hook back. And he's like, okay. 
And he gives her the sword as an additional show of trust. The sword that she sees herself being killed with yes. in the future. Yeah. So she has the sword that will kill her and they're going to break the tear curse so that Hook can return to Storybrooke. Yeah. Do they say where they're going? Because I think it's the author's mansion, but it might just be that set again. No, it, it is. Okay. It, they call it the Sorcerer's Mansion. Oh, right. That is what it was. Yes. Okay. Although, I mean, Merlin was the sorcerer and Merlin never lived in Storybrooke. I think his apprentice may have been there for a little bit, but... Well, it was where the Sorcerer's Apprentice was before we knew that they were going to make Merlin the sorcerer. Also, they never really clarified the relationship between Merlin and the author because, like, Merlin helped his like merlin's apprentice helped people become the author but merlin wasn't an author but maybe he had something to do with the way being the author worked i mean obviously what happened was they thought it would be cool and tie things together if merlin was the sorcerer but the timeline of merlin in this show does not make that possible obviously that's what happened (sighs) So, in Hook's plot, he is in the Enchanted Forest trying to find a way to get home to Emma. He drops a bunch of glass on a table. It's diamonds. It's jewels. some sort of jewels. It looks so fake. It, honest to God, looks like fake ice. It's fairy tale jewels. So, he drops it on a table and he's like, Look, I know you piratey people have a magic bean. I need a magic bean to get back to Storybrooke. These are jewels from Agrabah. They're enough to pay for whatever bean that, you know. So does, like, just everybody have magic beans now? Well, he's specifically gone to Blackbeard. Blackbeard. Blackbeard, who we saw him attempt to kill during the Frozen season, but Ariel rescued him for some reason. Yeah, uh uh-huh. So they could keep using the actor, I guess. Okay, okay. And the pirate talks about how he's been limited by the fact that he's now like public enemy number one in Arendelle, which is a neat bit of continuity because you will remember he was last seen attempting to murder, uh, maybe not last seen, but he was very significantly attempting to murder Princess Anna and her perpetual fiance. Yeah. So good continuity show. Yeah. So he needs a new ship the fastest ship in the realm and that's hook ship and the hook's... black pearl the black pearl or the jolly roger yeah, it was the... yeah, yeah why why didn't the black pearl ever show up in this show um i don't know but i'll be honest i'm kind of glad it didn't <laughs> this show doesn't need johnny depp getting his gross fingers all over it well i'd assume they do the once upon a time thing and only steal like the villains so it'd be like barbosa or davy jones or whoever Davy Jones would have been cool as a villain, but that CGI is way past their budget, as we will see when we get to the spider later in this episode. Honestly, they'd have done it with just prosthetics, so we dodged a bullet. So Hook's like, okay, fine. Look, we'll play a game of poker. Pirate poker. Pirate poker. And if I win, then you get my boat. I'm sorry. If I win, then I get the bean. But if you win, you get my boat. And the guy's like, why don't you just give me your boat for the bean? And he's like, no, we're going to do it this way. Everything's got to be so complicated in this episode. Do you know why? 
Because they don't have enough plot to fill the... Because they've already done the climax of this episode and we're less than a third of the way through it. So, uh, Gideon has brought Emma to the Sorcerer's Mansion. There's that door that teleports people to other realms in there that the Sorcerer's Apprentice used to use. I don't remember if that stopped being a thing for any particular reason or if everyone just sort of forgot about it. Yeah, I think everybody just sort of forgot about it. But... Yeah, there's the door that transports people uh, between worlds. And since Emma's tear was what created the block, Emma's going to need to cast the spell to remove the block. Yeah, she's going to use the napkin with her tear to undo the spell. And Gideon puts out the book, the Her Handsome Hero book, and he lights a candle. He has her light a candle. With her light magic. And then he puts out the napkin. So it's like napkin book and candle like instead of bell book and candle mm-hmm. yeah oh i guess it's bell we should call this episode bell book and candle but spelled bell yeah okay i i just i'm just annoyed because it you could you could just put a candle there on the on the sorry i'm just so annoyed because you could have just put a bell there on the table and had it be a cool thing that you didn't even have to acknowledge and and they didn't do that Anyway, the candle falls over and lights the napkin on fire. And Emma's all like, wait, I didn't do this. And Gideon's like, no, no, it's someone else's work. Yeah. The Black Fairy apparently was interfering with the spell. And she co-opted it to make the book barf out the giant CGI spider. It's a good thing that's the chapter we heard Gideon reading earlier. Otherwise, this scene would make no sense. What is this book about, even? Uh, I think it's clearly Lord of the Rings, because oh, yeah, they makes fight sense. a giant spider. Shelob. Oh, so there's Shelob, but there can't be Helob, huh? Or would he just be Lob if we're going by superhero logic? Well, there's He-Man. Yeah, there is He-Man. So, uh, you said that... The, I, I honestly gotta think that the uh, CGI is pretty good on the spider. It's not like... It's I, only really bad when they zoom in close on the mandibles. Yeah, for the most part... Like, I've seen my fair share of bad early 2000s, at the time, big budget giant spider movies. And this is better than those were. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's, you know, for Once Upon a Time, it's not super bad. Like, if I liked this episode, I would not complain about it at all. Yeah, it's head and shoulders above uh, the spiders some eight-legged freaks. Oh my god, eight-legged freaks. Yeah, that was a while ago, right? (laughs) That was a while ago. Was that a 90s movie, actually? No? Yeah, it was. Wow. Don't watch Eight-Legged Freaks. No, do not. Back in the flashback, Gideon is confronting all of the child miners, the minor miners, <laughs> and demanding to know which of them betrayed their generous captor by stealing the key. And he points out, he's like, look, come forward now and you only have to deal with, like, I'll punish you and not her. And I am the lesser of two evils, literally. Here. Yeah, it's still a pretty abusive thing to say. Yeah. And he decides to just sort of grab some rando dude. And he's like, look, to demonstrate my power, I'm going to turn this rando dude into an insect. Okay, I mean, I know this is really a minor quibble at this point, but if sprinkling the fairy dust on these kids is going to turn them into a bug, how are they safely mining it? Hmm. Hmm. 
Huh. Yeah, because it was was dark fairy dust when Mary Margaret had it in season one. Right, and you could say there's some process to refine it that has to happen before it becomes magical, but I somehow doubt the black fairy is doing her own refinery. Remember when Astrid had to do the refinery? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she sucked at it, but at least the blue fairy had someone on that, someone who was also a fairy. Who was also enslaved. Remember, Astrid wasn't free to leave either. Hmm. I feel like this show could have a really good plotline just about fairies, but... I mean, we always talk about how we want the dwarf spinoff, and dwarves and fairies in the mythology of this show are... Deeply intertwined. Exactly. Anyway... I like how the one dude he pulls out of the crowd is one of the, I think, three adult guys in this crowd. Does, Does the black fairy kill them when they become adults? It seems like that would be when you would get your optimum mining out of them. I guess if you've been doing it since childhood, you probably break down pretty soon thereafter. There's not a lot of logic to it. Mm. There's a reason in real life that miners are usually adult men. Yes, that's true. Anyway, one of the other children comes forward. One of the other two adult men. Who is playing a child. Oh, wait, no, he's not. Because Gideon is 28, and the person who comes forward and claims they are the person who stole the key, it turns out, is the child from that flashback, so he must also be 28. Yeah, failed rescue kid. Yeah. And he's like, you don't recognize me, do you? And Gideon's like... No, you lived a really hard life for the last 18 years. Although, I mean, he looks fine. Uh, I mean, it's not an actual abused person who's playing him. But they definitely put a lot of sunken eye makeup on him. Honestly, the kid, Roderick, looks like... The actor playing him looks kind of too young. Like, he looks like he might be 17 or 18. So apparently working in the mines is better for aging than... Well, maybe the Black Fairy has some sort of magic on the mines that makes you age slower, and that's why she doesn't have adult miners. Mm. So Roderick's like, look, you were not shitty to me when we were kids... You're being a real bag of dicks now, but you have the option to not be a bag of dicks. Also, you failed to save me when we were children. How about you make up for it by saving me now? Honestly, I want Roderick's story. Roderick seems like he's got a lot going on. He's leading a rebellion against the Black Fairy. That's so much cooler. Yeah. Gideon's a real Johnny-come-lately here. I guess. Typical, typical white boy. <laughs> so... Back in the present, Emma and Gideon could not overwhelm the monster with their light magic blasts together. Yeah, so they just ran away, and now the spider is just walking around the mansion, literally just spraying webbing everywhere out of its ass. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And Gideon's like, hey... Thanks. I know this didn't work out the way we were planning, but thanks for helping me. And Emma's like, I don't get what your motivation is. Why were you trying to kill me? And he's like, it seemed like a good idea at the time. And she's like, oh, God. And he's like, you can walk away. I'll deal with the spider myself. And she's like, no, now that you've now that you've reached out, I guess I have to work with you. And then the spider turns on them and starts using webbing it shoots out of its ass as a weapon because that's what spiders do it's just splorching webbing all over the place it's really gross it's really dumb back in the enchanted forest hook is continuing his pirate 
poker. And that sounds really dirty. It does. And Blackbeard is like, hey, you were looking for a magic bean before, and then you got one, I assume. And now you're back here looking for more magic beans? What's going on? And Hook's all like, a woman I love is in danger. Oh, Hook, please. You are an albatross around her neck. Yeah, like... I don't remember the last time you were actually useful to her in a fight. You've, I guess you've successfully distracted people by sacrificing yourself a couple of times. But. I mean, she might need a sacrifice. This is actually really clever on Hook's part. This is the cleverest Hook has ever been. He loses the card game and uh, Blackbeard's like, okay, so where's my ship? And Hook's like, oh, did I not mention? It's in the realm I need the bean to get to. So if you want your ship, you're going to have to use the bean to take me to the realm where the ship is. Yeah. Yep. So Hook goes to use the magic bean, and he and Blackbeard jump into the resulting portal. I don't particularly get why they drop the bean into the water before doing it you can just they're op- pirates you can open a portal you can open a portal wherever they're pirates they have to do it in the water pirates do it in the sea see that's how you get a urinary tract infection so back in regina's vault uh regina's like henry you went into one of your weird author fugue states and wrote all of these runic things and he's like but i didn't have the pen and i'm not writing in the book what what what's going on here and regina's like i don't know but i know someone who might know yeah regina takes henry down to the asylum that's below the hospital because apparently regina is a victorian husband and when someone annoys her she just has them committed yeah yeah, yeah. so isaac the author the previous author the ex-author is in the basement and he claims that he has the answers to their questions but he would say that anyway that's how he rolls and he's like look i'm uh, you stuck me in a dank cell for the past i don't know season or so look if you want me to explain what's going on with henry i'm gonna need some payment and you know yeah i need you to get me out of here give me a fast car and tickets to Hamilton, because what I really want to do is age this episode. I don't know. It's, what, going to be 5,000 years before tickets to Hamilton are easy to get? I still think it's a really hard show to get into. Yeah. It's it's the current hot show. And as much as I love that show, there will be another hot show that happens at it, some point. It's true. Wicked was the hot show back in the day, but I have managed to see Wicked on Broadway twice. Yeah. Not with great seats, but twice. Yes. I've seen Hamilton on Broadway. You have. Yes, I have. But I do I do genuinely really enjoy Isaac here. He is a sort of bright spot in the show. And he also very briefly does our job when he's like, I've been imprisoned here for a while now. And what did I do? And Henry's like, you created an alternate universe and attempted to kill me. And Isaac's like, yeah, but there's due process. And that would be really hard to prove in a court of law. Yeah, that would be hard to prove. I mean, I understand that you can't put him on trial in Boston, but maybe 
once upon a time should set up some sort of fairy tale court. That would be such a great show. I would watch the hell out oh. of that show. Like a like a lawyer procedural that's in fairy tale worlds, like the Dan Slot run on She-Hulk. Oh, yes. Or that one episode of Bob's Burgers. Or like what season five of Angel could have been. Yes. Although I do like season five of Angel. Oh, I do too. I like it because the idea of a demon law firm is awesome. And this show could have had that and turned it down to do what? To do to do what? What is this plot even? So Routina's like, yeah, look, we're not giving you any of the shit you want. We're just going to leave. And Isaac's like, okay, okay, I'll tell you. But not yet. We have a really, it goes from that to a really quick scene where Emma and Gideon are still running from the spider. I don't get why that's there. Um, so we don't forget that it's happening because this show is such a slog that it's totally acceptable to just forget what you saw two minutes ago and also maybe to fill two minutes because they did the climax way back when and now they don't know what to do. The thing is, it's not even two minutes. It's like at most 20 seconds of Emma and Gideon running away from the spider. I guess maybe the episode was running short and they took some just like filler... Well, from an artistic standpoint, we usually have scenes in the present that throw us into the flashback because similar things are happening. But here, nothing is happening in the present, and really nothing is happening in the flashback. And we just had a, and we just had a Regina author scene, so we need that 20 seconds of them running from the spider to throw us into the past where Gideon is, you know, dealing with Roderick. Yeah, I I guess we needed to go from Gideon to Gideon. And Gideon is bringing Roderick to the Black Fairy, and Roderick's still trying to sell him on the whole rebellion thing, and he's like, have you ever wondered why the Black Fairy is collecting all of this Black Fairy dust? And Gideon's like, huh? No, I literally never wondered that because I've been, because this is the only life I've ever known. Why would I wonder things? Hmm, True. But Roderick tells him that she's trying to perfect a thing she calls the dark curse. Well, he tells him that he did that in the past she created a dark curse, but that was like a rough draft of the dark curse she's currently making. Okay. What use does the dark curse serve to the black fairy? What what world would she create other than this one where she apparently is the only one who has magical powers, can go and kidnap whoever she needs? She could build any world she wants right now, and she built a mine to have children mine dust so that she could create a spell where she could create any world she wanted. You know what? I don't think the Black Fairy knows how to be happy. I think that the fact that she was married to Peter Pan makes a whole lot of sense in retrospect. Oh my god. The two of them are very similar people. How does that even... Oh my god. Also, is she trapped here? Because it seems like she's trapped here. She is. But she can leave for brief excursions like Hades could. Yes. To abduct children, which is also what Peter Pan did in his season. Yeah. She's very much like Peter Pan. Also, 
we talked about how great her outfit is, and it is great. It's got a lot of feathers in it, making her seem uh, like a raven or a crow, like some sort of carrion bird, Mm -hmm. which makes sense because that's a great thing to associate with the Black Fairy. It also makes her, like, two hairs breadth away from being a terrible Coachella costume. (laughs) Which makes sense considering who we're going to meet next week. Oh, God. Oh, God, I forgot. We just watched this episode, but I forgot that we are getting Tiger Lily. Yep. Yep. So, get ready. We'll, We'll delve into the unfortunate implications of Tiger Lily next week. The Black Fairy is another character where they really needed to establish... I know they're like 11 big bads deep this season, but God, she needed to have her motivation established. Well, Just... that's a big flaw in this show as a whole, is a failure to establish your villain's motivation. I personally think that a show kind of lives or dies on on its villains. And this show coasts a lot on how great Regina and Rumpel were established. But once Regina and Rumpel get too close to being redeemed, for some reason, they're unable to create other villains with compelling motivation. Well, and the thing is, like, a lot of the best big bads in this show, you have Regina and you have Rumpel, both of who had clear goals. You had Korra, who had clear goals. Yes. You had... I'm going to argue Ingrid. I was thinking about Ingrid. Yes. Her, like her her goals were stupid, but they were clear and she had a clear point A, point B, point C. Yeah. And Ingrid basically was the, was the same. Ingrid's flaw was the same as Cora's, which was not a flaw for Cora, but rather, oh, this could have been solved with a conversation instead of an evil spell. Yes. And... A lot of it's weighed down by the later stuff, but Zelina. Yes, yes. Zelina is good in the moment, as long as we don't think about what happens after her season. Zelina was a really good big bad in her season. She had a clear goal. She had a clear reason why she was dangerous. I understand why the writers think that the Black Fairy was a good idea for a villain because they're going back to their roots of making it a familial thing. But, you know, number one, I think what we've learned is don't tap into Rumpel's family because then you get the Peter Pan season and the Black Fairy season. Mm -hmm. And number two, if you are going to tap into Rumpel's family, maybe you should actually deal with the familial relationship. We have not seen a single time when Rumpel and the Black Fairy have been interacting as mother and son. Which is also what happened in the Peter Pan season, because they didn't even reveal that they were father-son until three quarters of the way through that one. Also, just a little bit of backtrack here. This was also why the Three Witches season started out so good. What? Oh, because we understood their motivations? Yeah, Maleficent wanted her daughter back. Corella wanted to hurt people. Ursula realized she had no reason to be there and immediately left. Well, that's why it fell apart, because no one had familial ties, so no one had a reason to be there. So, anyway, Roderick manages to convince Gideon to help him defeat the Black Fairy with the compelling argument that she's really evil. 
also that Gideon owes Roderick. I mean, these are all facts Gideon had before this conversation. I don't know why he's being won over right now. And again, Roderick has been doing the heavy lifting of this rebellion. He's like, look, there's a... I have a thing we should turn against her, but also... Like, if we fail, I'm trying to get, like, I'm trying to cover all of my bases. I'm trying to get a message to someone called a savior in another realm because their light magic will allow them to defeat the Black Fairy. Okay, sure. Why was this episode not about Roderick? Like, he had this whole plan set up that Gideon just sort of took. Yep. Like, yep. Roderick did all the legwork here. Gideon swooped in and picked up his plan, which is to go steal a magic orb that the Black Fairy has that, like, is the source of her power or something. Sure. Sure. It's a MacGuffin. Whatever. It's fine. In the present, Gideon and Emma are still running from the spider in the sorcerer's mansion, except, you know, their routes of escape are being blocked off by all of the webbing. Yeah, there's a reason the spider was comedically farting a uh, web all over there's everywhere. so much web. I don't know a lot about spiders, but I'm pretty sure it takes them longer to make this much web. So as Emma's looking at the web, Gideon shoves her into it. And he's like, ha ha, you believed that I was on your side, but I wasn't really. I brought the spider here. To help me kill you so I could get your power to kill the Black Fairy. Turns out my plans didn't change at all. Blah, 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 blah. Also, he takes the sword back from her because now she's caught in the web. And also, he tells her that even though he's the one who summoned the spider, he has no control over it. So now she's about to be eaten by a spider. And Emma is still, like, back two plans ago and is like, wait, what about Hook? And Gideon's like, no, I don't, I don't care about Hook. Seriously, like, I used your tears to seal him off. None of this was about that. So, Emma's trapped in webbing, and this is legit a horror situation. Yeah, trapped in webbing, about to be eaten by a giant spider? Yeah, absolutely. So, back in back in Hook's story, which I can't say back in the Enchanted Forest, because they've just gone through a portal. Yes, they went through a portal, which they bounced off of Storybrooke and ended up in Neverland. Yeah, that's what happened. Yes, because Hook is being blocked from going back to Emma, so... He couldn't get to the land without magic, and I guess Neverland is the... He, they should have been spit back up in the Enchanted Forest. Yeah. But no, no, they're trapped in Neverland, and we'll deal with that next week. Yes. Uh, Hook figures out that they're in Neverland, and they hear drum beats and whooping. So that's, that's going to be a whole thing. Hook also tells Blackbeard, in order to tell us that they're about to be attacked by the Lost Boys. And in case you were wondering, because you thought all the Lost Boys came over to Storybrooke, he tells that he tells Blackbeard that only the good Lost Boys went to Storybrooke. The evilest ones stayed behind. So these are like new, improved, evil Lost Boys. These are like, these Lost Boys are like super gonorrhea that are the infection that stays when you only take half of your antibiotics. I thought Neverland was kerploding. Like, and that's why Pan needed Henry's heart. Yeah, that's that's that was the plot. Okay, whatever. Wait, you know what that means? 
that means that some other thing happened because Pan's gone too. So some other lost boy came up, Rufio, I guess. Except no, because Rufio's dead. I know. In, yeah. the, in the in the continuity of the show, Rufio's dead. But Rufio 2.0 came up with some other plan, used some other kid's heart, and saved Neverland. We don't get to see that story though. All right, fine. Although apparently Neverland existed before Pan got there, although it was being run by the Shadow, and then the Shadow merged with Rumple's dad to become Pan. But they they killed the Shadow too, so. God only Maybe knows. it's just an island now. Yeah, now it's just a regular-ass island. <laughs> so, Emma is being caught in a horror scenario here. She manages to sort of light magic herself out of the webs. Sure. And then she says, okay, Charlotte, let's do this, which is adorable. It is adorable, but she immediately gets spun up by webs and she gets spun by webs so quickly and jennifer morrison is forced to kind of do the work because it's mostly cgi that i thought it was something emma was doing on purpose and she had a plan it's really fucked up though like no she gets cocooned like instantly in webbing it's horrifying and like you said this is this is jennifer morrison doing the whole thing because the spider's just cgi so she like she's convincingly wrapping herself in this webbing and she looks horrified yeah also i mean like just watching it you're realizing oh she can't breathe she can't breathe in that yeah like she looks genuinely distressed i'm wondering if this is some hitchcock directing going on but gideon's sword like gideon teleported back to the clock tower and now that Emma's life force is being sucked away by the spider's webs. He can draw that power into the sword and use it to cut a hole in reality. That the black fairy can come through. Yeah. Yeah, that's what happens. This is a lot like when Zelina took the baby to use its life force to start her time portal. Yeah, yeah. Because, spoiler alert, Emma is not killed by the giant spider. Rumpelstiltskin shows up and starts throwing plasma balls at it. Yeah, because it's like, it's not exactly Dark One magic, but it, it is some sort of, it is some sort of purple magic. It's not Light One magic. And then Rumpel cuts her out of the webbing using the Dark One dagger. Okay. It's not a multi-tool, Rumpel. It has your soul in it. But he he cuts her free and Gideon's portal kerplodes. And I was like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. And she and Rumpel team up to shoot it with respectively light magic and dagger holding. Yeah, he holds the dagger up the way that you do when you're controlling the dark one. And somehow that enhances Emma's magic. Well, I think she's using light magic to hold it off, and he's using dark one magic to shrink it down. But he's channeling his dark one magic through the dagger, which is not a dark one move. Most dark ones are not in possession of their own dagger, so it's not a wand. It's not a wand! Although, I don't have an issue with him using it as a focal point for his power here. Okay. Like, maybe you just have your default dark one powers but you can also funnel more power through the because the stop making excuses for them max (laughs) the 
the dar- the dagger is the source of the dark one power so i don't necessarily have issues with him using it like a wand uh, but he shrinks the spider and then emma steps on it emma has a moment right out of the fear itself episode of buffy yes it's like legitimately the same shot where buffy walks over to the shrunken fear demon and steps on it well not shrunken fear demon in that case the actual size fear demon should have read the caption actual size Back in the past, Gideon steals the orb and says he's going to use it to contact the savior. But oh no, they're caught. They're caught by the Black Fairy and a different overseer. I don't think it's the same actress. Yeah. It's some other slave child who is dressed in an SS uniform, which no other children we have seen have been dressed to like Nazis. So this show is just all over the fucking place. Seriously. What? Whatever. So the Black Fairy's like, hey, Gideon, did you find who did the thing that I sent you? Did you find who stole from me? And Gideon's like, you're not my real mom. And she's like, I'm the one who fed you and cleaned your cage out and, you know, took you for walkies. She says, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Also, I am mad. Also, I'm mad. (laughs) So... Gideon attempts to use the black fairy dust on her. And she's like, you're not a hero. You can't fight me. And she stops it because she's the black fairy. So why would her I dust work? I wouldn't think her? the black fairy dust would work on her. That's a whatever. So Roderick is taken away by the child Nazis. Yes. Not not great. Once upon a time, not great. And she she takes the magic that she takes the dust that. Gideon threw at her and she throws it at Roderick, turning him into an insect, and then she steps on him because parallels, I guess. Also really horrifying. And you know what would have made it more horrifying? If we had spent any time with Roderick. I mean, honest to God, I feel way more sympathy for the guy than I do for Gideon. Well, yes, of course. But it just goes to show that that's what the episode should have been focused on. It should have been focused on his relationship with Roderick. Uh Roderick, poor Roderick, he's going to join the hall of very interesting, incredibly minor characters who died to further the plot in ways that don't really make sense. Yep. It's mostly him and Griff. Yeah, Griff. Poor Griff. So Gideon is still yelling at the Black Fairy that he's going to find the savior and the savior's going to defeat her and the Black Fairy is not exactly shaking in her overpriced boots. Her stylish over... Her stylish yet overpriced boots, which she is ruined because of, you know, having to step on Roderick. Exactly. So she rips out Gideon's heart, and now we're supposed to think that everything is okay because that makes everything that's happened make sense, and whatever, not buying it. It's not good enough. Not good enough once upon a time. She's like, now that I have your heart, I'm responsible for all the evil things you do, and you're not. This makes you not morally culpable anymore (laughs) now to be fair it does it does not make him morally culpable from within the context of morality in the story but it doesn't make the story satisfying also i think he's supposed to be crying here but he's definitely supposed to be crying the way they cut the bit it just looks like he's sweating out of the edge of his cheek because we don't i I, the actor is definitely not crying i didn't see the tear if it was in his eyes before until it was like going down that part of his cheek so it just looks like he's sweating on his face also apparently like 
she's like, I'm going to use you to escape this dark realm. So what? I guess she is trapped here. Yeah, I guess so. Anyway, in Neverland, Hook and Blackbeard are running away from the Lost Boys when they reach the shore and there's a convenient rowboat on the shore. Hmm. And Hook's like, yay, let's get out of here. And Blackbeard hits him in the back of the neck and takes the boat and is like, oh, I'm a pirate. That's what we do. You should have taken him with you, Blackbeard. You don't know how long you're going to be rowing. You'll need something to eat eventually. Also, you don't know where you are. Seriously. What's your plan? What if this realm is just this one island? And Captain Hook points out, he's like, you don't know where you're going. You have no supplies. What's the plan, Blackbeard? What's the plan? I mean, to be fair to Blackbeard, he's kind of like the scorpion in the story of the frog and the scorpion. He's like, it's in my nature. And by the way, if you ever get back home and find your boat, don't forget you owe me a boat. Which is kind of a boss last line to say as you're rowing away from a guy that you've left stranded on an island. It is true. So a whole bunch of teenagers start chasing Hook because they're not paying for more kids in this episode. Yep. Back in Storybrooke, Snow and Belle show up to like pick up Emma and Rumple like they're their rides <sighs> instead of waiting for them to come back to the pawn shop. I don't know. And Snow is still in badass Snow mode. She's like, no, no, we don't help you anymore because your kid is a little shit. We're done helping you. Your kid tried to feed my kid to a giant spider. We're done. And Rumble's like, hey, I saved your life. And Emma's like, because your asshole kid tried to feed me to a spider. You don't get credit for that. Hmm. Much like you don't get credit for deciding to not send your fiance's family to hell. Not letting it go. <laughs> anyway, then Rumble's like, well, if Snow's going to be badass defending you, I'm going to be badass defending Gideon. Don't get in my way. And Bella's just on the side like... Oh my god, I'm so over all of these people. Why am I still here? Oh right, my son. God damn it. God damn all of these people. Snow's really badass here though. She's like, because because Rumpel's like, look, I'm not going to let my son hurt you, but I'm not going to let you hurt my son. And Mary Margaret's like, we didn't start this fight, but we will finish it. Emma, let's go home. Leaving Belle alone with Rumpel to be like, Oh no, this whole thing with Gideon is tearing us apart. No, Belle, you are you were torn apart already. You're only together because you were trying to save Gideon together. And honestly, you're still basically as together as you were before. I mean, Rumple's trying to mitigate all damage here, so. Yeah, and then Rumple's like, I got over the abuse the Black Fairy did to me. Questionable. Well, her abuse was just abandoning you as a baby. Right, but he's like, we can save Gideon's soul together too, and then they hold hands so that all the rum bell shippers can be happy. Just turn him back into a baby. It's fine. Right? So, in the clock tower, Gideon is being all reflective when the Black Fairy shows up and is like, hey, here I am. And Gideon is like, wait, but I... But she didn't die, Dad saved her, and she's like, yeah, but... We got enough life energy to open the portal for long enough for me to get here. It was good enough. Which, coincidentally, is what the writers of this episode said right before they started filming. And he seems confused about what's going on, but she's like, you were under my thrall. I I made you forget, I guess maybe? we're... No, I think we're supposed to think that he did this in kind of a fugue state, even though that's not the way we've seen heart control work before. 
And then she's trying to tell him that he's still to blame because he wanted to, even though she controlled him and he didn't. Uh, Yeah, she's like, even though I had you under my thrall, part of you always wanted to help me because you're mommy's special little boy. And he's like, so as are we all. We're all like, yeah, right. On the edge of town, Regina and Henry are with Isaac, giving him a station wagon, which is not a sports car, and no tickets to Hamilton because she's an evil queen, not a magician. He says, I guess even your power has its limits, which is cute. It's very dated, but it's cute. Look, Isaac, you have nothing to do. Just go to New York and enter the lottery every day. You'll hit it eventually. Yeah. Or, I don't know, just... Do what the rest of us do and buy tickets six months in advance. And Regina's like, okay, look, we got you more or less most of what you want. Are you going to tell us more or less most of what we want to know? And Isaac's like, yeah, the power of the author is overwhelming Henry. And also you're running out of pages in the book. Yeah, you're writing the last chapter. The last chapter. Okay, not to be that guy. But you love being that guy. I do love being that guy. But, like, the sorcerer's mansion slash the author's house is literally full of blank books. Like, blank author books. The last chapter doesn't end with, and then everybody died. It's just the end. I mean, could. It could. But it's just the end of this story. And honestly, it can't come soon enough. It's. It's just really weird. And he he, he also, he goes in two different directions here. He's like, you're being overwhelmed by the author powers. It never happened to me, but I have heard about it happening. They take you over and destroy you or something. Uh-huh. And also the book is ending. These seem like two different things. Well, I guess that's how the book ends. Like, that's how the book gets the ending out of you. It, like, rings you out at the end. The book ends with henry being completely overwhelmed by the phoenix force and devouring the sun yes and then the sun went and then the sun was and then the sun went out the end so hey max we made it we made it we made it through this episode all right so this was not a good episode no no it was not this this was not a good episode this just straight up was not a good episode you know what I was thinking about what? while we were watching this episode? I should have brought this up while Robin Hood was in the show or when fairies were more relevant. I guess fairies are relevant enough. Fairies are relevant again. Enough for me to bring it up now. Uh, when Tinkerbell used the pixie dust to bring uh, Regina to her true love, Uh huh. Regina was already married. We talked about the fact that Regina was at this point married to the king. Correct. What we did not talk about was the fact... That Robin Hood was also married at this point. Was he? He was with Marion. But I don't think they were married. Also, honestly, that doesn't really matter. Because he was married to Marion, but that's not an impediment to him finding true love because Marion isn't the embodiment of the state and needs to kill him if he might bear a child from another person. Yes, obviously, King Leopold would have been the larger concern. But, like, it would have involved cheating 
on both of their parts. Pixie Dust kind of takes no prisoners. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And I feel like that meshes with what we know about fairies. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, so speaking of, um, let's talk about recommendations. All right. My recommendation, I've talked about it a lot on this show already. And honest to God, it's just sort of a sideways connection. But I do want to recommend Peter and the Starcatchers. All right. Specifically the play, because that's what I've seen, but probably also the book. Uh-huh. Uh, books. Uh, it is an origin story for Peter Pan-ish. It plays a lot with the... Right. But it is about a bunch of child slaves who escape through use of magic dust. Stardust, oh. in this case, but... Nice. And it's actually really, really good. You can... Uh, I, I would look to see if you're theater if any theaters near you is doing uh peter and the star catchers but if they're not you can probably find it on youtube all right i'm assuming at least one community theater has uploaded its production to youtube so well i am going to fulfill the requirement that we recommend one terry pratchett book every episode all right i recommend lords and ladies Hmm. the fairy discworld book which is a loose retelling of midsummer night's dream and like all discworld books that aren't about rincewind amazing i mean it's fine whatever rincewind but i he's my least favorite but it's like saying this is my least favorite piece of chocolate you know this it's all good it's white chocolate yeah it's like eating paper Also, like Isaac, I recommend that you just listen to the soundtrack to Hamilton instead of watching this episode. Mm, Yes. God, yes. And as for Fashion Corner, the only thing that really stood out to me, the the Black Fairy's outfits were cool, but they were also things we've seen before with her. Uh, Emma's red coat was really neat. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good coat for her. Also, the fact that she's getting away from leather, leather being the symbol of her as a loner, I feel like is an important character development. So we should at least mention that. Yeah. And I guess that would about do it. Yes, we are done for this week. Yay. Next week. Next week is called Awake. Oh, I guess finally someone's going to get out of their magic coma. Oh, what a shame. Yeah, because I've been really enjoying Mary Margaret recently. Right? And that's going to go right down the tubes as soon as David's up. Mm. This show is partially listener-supported. If you want to become one of those supporters, you could go to our website, www.ilovetelevisionzines, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, and Ryan. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you can always rate and review us on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this show, head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash ilovetelevisionzines. We can also be contacted at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com or on Twitter at ilovetvzines. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Storybrook. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web any size, catches seeds just like guys. Look out, here comes a Spider-Man.